Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Minnesota food shelves prepare for the holiday giving season. Songwriting Hall of Famer Rodney Crowell comes to the Twin Cities. And Gopher football coach P.J. Fleck signs a big contract extension. But first, voters went to the polls across Minnesota this week, but MNN's Bill Werner reports hotly contested issues in Minneapolis drew attention from all over the country. Mayor Jacob Fry winning re-election this week in Minnesota's largest city. Midway through Fry's first term, his city took a one-two punch, first from COVID and then with the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. Getting hit by every single angle from every single side and still not caving honoring the right thing to do no matter what. Fry faced fierce criticism for his handling of the riots that tore Minneapolis in the wake of Floyd's murder and calls for police reform put a question on this week's ballot in Minneapolis that overshadowed the election for mayor, almost certainly influenced the outcome of that race and got national, if not international, attention. We need the police in Minneapolis. Republican gubernatorial hopeful Michelle Benson after voters in Minneapolis by a substantial margin, 56% to 44, this week said no to replacing the police department with a new Department of Public Safety, which also would have eliminated requirements for a minimum number of officers. I think just the awareness of the rising crime and citizens wanting to feel safe were the primary factors. Jay Yates with the Twin Cities Coalition for Justice for Jamar says the failed measure didn't do anything substantial on police accountability. So he says his group is collecting signatures to get another question on the ballot next year on establishing a citizen commission to oversee the police. Regular citizens have had absolutely zero say in how police conduct themselves in their neighborhoods, specifically in black neighborhoods. That proposed commission would hire the chief of police, make department policy, investigate all complaints, impose discipline on officers, and refer cases for prosecution. Yates says the power of the police is currently unchecked. Our message to them is that that time is over, and it's time for them to be held accountable for past crimes and for any other crimes that their officers commit. Meanwhile, Brian Peters, head of the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association, says this week's vote in Minneapolis, quote, should be a wake-up call to politicians who want to simply abolish and defund police departments. Hamlin University political and legal analyst David Schultz says the question now is how will that vote on the Minneapolis Police Department be taken? No reform? or smaller bits of reform. I think this is going to be a stall, a clear stall in terms of, of any major overhaul. And what we're going to probably see now, what the pressure is going to be, at least initially, is is get the traditional police officers, the law, we're going to call it the law and order police officer numbers back up to full strength, get the crime under control. And then I think there's going to be a discussion. Can we do something different at that point? Because I think right now, I think the public in Minneapolis is very much worried about the fact of what near record homicide rate, um, significant increase in carjackings. Uh, this is this is about what law and order on the streets again. And then can we maybe take that next step towards other types of reforms? I think right now the referendum is basically saying at this point we want more traditional police back on the street. 
and I hate to put it in this ter- terms, but I guess I, I have to ask this question. What does it take to put it back on the radar screen? If you have, if you got the, the focus being on controlling crime, right? And yeah, we're going to do police reform at some point here, and certainly we are. But what, what is the impetus to bring it back on, short of heaven help us, something else like George Floyd happening again? And that's what I think is going to probably have to happen at this point. It's going to have to be another, almost another major catastrophe in terms of putting it back on reform at this point. Because if we think about it, the original focus of, 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 of reforming the police was to address the problem of a police use of force, excessive force, and especially against people of color. If that's sort of what the core notion is about it, um, that, that, that issue has kind of faded and it became eventually an issue about restructuring the police in general. I think this vote takes away the issue about complete restructuring of the police. And now the question is, is there some way of addressing what remains a persistent problem in Minneapolis, which is what? The racial disparities in terms of arrests, use of force, and so forth. And I think that's where the reform is going to have to sort of probably retreat back to. Thank you, Minneapolis! We are coming back! Minneapolis is on a comeback! Time will tell whether Mayor re-elect Fry will be able to make good on that promise. Across the river in St. Paul, Mayor Melvin Carter easily won re-election, 62% of the vote, telling backers what he's tried to do the past couple of years. Reject an old model of city building that we've inherited that centers around a public safety strategy that I think is borrowed from the wild, wild west that says we're going to find all the bad guys in town and, and, and root them out of town. Mayor Carter and his police chief, Todd Axtell, have publicly sparred over police funding. Axtell announced last week he will not seek reappointment when his term expires next June. As Minneapolis voters decided on the future of their police department, the first-ever police advisory and oversight board in Fargo came close to being finalized this week, with the city commission voting to further discuss a proposed ordinance in a couple of weeks. Fargo Mayor Tim Mahoney contends it is what top-notch police forces are doing all over the country. We've worked hard at this to come up with wording, types, everything, that allow the police to have some input into it and allow the community to have input into it. But Commissioner Dave Pepcorn opposes that plan. The oversight board for the police department is us. Isn't that true? Uh, So to me, I I believe that this is redundancy. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Minnesota food shelves are gearing up for a busy holiday season. Tasha Radel has more. As record numbers of Minnesotans continue to rely on their local food shelves to help put food on the table, Second Harvest Heartland is gearing up for the holidays already. CEO Allison O'Toole says their goal is to make sure those in need are able to have a hunger-free holiday season. We're seeing that hunger is harder to face this holiday season than ever before. So we're working harder at Second Harvest Heartland and across the Hunger Relief Network to make sure everyone is um, kept fed and well. And we see grocery prices uh, off the charts. More people are, so more people are needing help filling their fridges. And this is all because of the supply chain. It's tightening again. Um, so when you think about it, things aren't that much different than they were a year ago. And so I want to make sure that people understand that, they know where to get help, and they know that they can help too. Um, I uh, Everyone has a role to play, and I hope that the community will create a hunger-free holiday season for everyone in our community. And would it be fair to say that you folks are still seeing record number of people uh, utilizing food shelves? We are. There's been a, about a 50% increase in uh, folks accessing assistance at food shelves. Um, we are also seeing a record number of people accessing or needing help signing up for SNAP benefits, which are food stamps. And so, you know, as much as I'd like to say that we are um, you know, getting through this and people are, all people are getting back on their feet. It's just not true. Um, we still see that, see one in 10 Minnesotans, including uh, one in seven Minnesota kids face hunger every day. It's really important to note that communities of color are facing twice the rates of hunger as their white counterparts. And so we're working, we're still working around the clock. Um, to make sure food is getting to the places and to the communities that need help the most. Allison, I know you folks are always accepting donations, but if I remember right, cash donations are really ideal because you folks there at Second Harvest have more purchase power, so to speak, rather than, let's say, me going to my local grocery store and spending $100 on groceries. Is this correct? It's a great question. There is a role for each of us to play in creating a hunger-free holiday uh, season. So financial donations are always welcome. You mentioned earlier consumers, including myself, are facing some sticker shock at the grocery store. I can honestly say my weekly grocery bill has really skyrocketed and kind of left me speechless at times. Are you two facing this? So as consumers feel those prices going up and see the prices going up, so do food banks. So it's more expensive for us to source the food. We source in much greater quantities than uh, individual families do, so that's how we stretch the dollar. But we're all seeing those prices go up because of the supply chain um, issues. Allison, if someone out there is struggling and perhaps hasn't been in this situation in the past, do you encourage them to look into the SNAP food program? Oh, absolutely. We are in super high gear trying to reach people who are eligible for SNAP. Um, there are still folks eligible all across the state, and those benefits help. They're like glue 
during a month for someone's grocery budget. It is um, uh, money goes on an EBT card. Recipients can go right to the grocery store. It helps everyone um, be stable in this time, but um, SNAP benefits can be just that little extra glue that families need to make ends meet um, when they travel through a month when they, month when they see a surprise medical bill that they weren't expecting, a car repair. You know, the food budget is always the first to be compromised. And so that's why we're raising awareness yet again about it. Allison, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Tasha, and I hope to talk soon. That was Allison O'Toole, CEO of Second Harvest Heartland. So, Minnesota, let's do our part and let's help our state's 300-plus food shelves bring some cheer and make sure this is a hunger-free holiday season for those in need. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Rodney Crowell is in Minnesota this week to perform in support of his critically acclaimed new album, Triage. The Grammy-winning Songwriting Hall of Famer explores forgiveness, spirituality, love, and other weighty topics in a variety of musical styles on the album. I recently spoke with Crowell about what it means to express yourself in these troubled times and how it feels to get back on the road. It's a very reflective record. Uh, the first song, Don't Leave Me Now, the first line, is, sort of serves as a, a, a statement of purpose, I think, for the album. I've been a liar, I've been untrue, I've compromised myself, but I'll make it up to you. Uh, clearly very reflective. How did you come to be in, in that kind of mood for this album? Because it seems to be the mood of the album. Yeah, well, that's a, that song, I've always felt that that song was a prayer. And I and I always in writing it. I wasn't writing that to a specific person. You know, my feeling of "Don't Leave Me Now" is that that central, uh, you know, God, if you will, just that source that it all comes from. You know, it's like "Don't bail on me now." You know, now when I need need it most. And I just thought, you know, that. You know, I've been a liar, I've been untrue was a really good place to start because lying seems to be so in vogue, you know, on so many fronts in our culture, you know, and it's like, well, okay, I've been one too, you know, I'm no different than you, uh, except I'm trying to make amends. Um, but, you know, the whole, the album started really with, with me reflecting on a friend of mine uh, songwriter producer Joe Henry, who was having a you know a tough go of a particular health issue, and uh, he was you know spiritually so present and so bold and brave and frightened and all of the things that one should and would be, and I thought, well, I'm going to make a song that that's fitting for this man, and from there I was rolling. And it, you know, it from at, with that being the starting place, there there was no room for me to, to you know, let up on the gas in terms of you know what you, how you frame you know it being reflective. I, I think of it as, as you know, you know, my spiritual sensibilities really is like how do I articulate them? 
how do I make the language grounded enough that if you if if you have no interest in in my belief system, at least you can grant me uh, the uh, benefit of the doubt that I actually wrote it well, you know. So there's that. <laughs> because it is so spiritual, it kind of does feel like a pandemic album, and yet, from my understanding of things, you you started it before the pandemic. Yeah, well, as far as I was concerned, there was a pandemic already going on in terms of our climate and and what we, you know, the uh, how, you know, the uh, lust for money and profit and, and profit sharing and, and answering to the, the board of directors exceeds the uh, the very simple fact that, you know, this beautiful planet that we lived on is a very generous host and yet we treat it like a doormat and i was coming from that place from the beginning you you mentioned you know uh, uh my name is crowl the name is crowl no harm no foul that was that's someone's called one little bird and and the bees have mostly disappeared from my hilltop that i live on which gives me great concern and then you know in the summer of 2019 and into the fall the birds were gone I had one little bird left on my five and a half acres of woodland and and I searched I searched high and low for for the birds and only one came out and sang a song for me and uh, it seemed like a swan song <laughs> and uh, I in interpreted it and made it into a song and uh, luckily the birds have come back maybe they heard that I wrote the song and they say, well, you know, we'll go back and visit that guy. He's on our side. Um, but, you know, there, such things give me pause. Uh, I'm curious. The, the birds sing for you. Do you sing for the birds as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I get out here in, in my back area and let it rip and hope they hear me. You know? <laughs> Good. Well, you're putting it back out there for them, which is wonderful. This one. Outside my door, and she's singing a song that goes right to the core. Heading out on the road, obviously, we've been through this pandemic. We are still going through it, but it's been uh, a couple years. Uh, live music has been sort of out of the mix for most of us for quite some time. You're coming to Minneapolis to perform at the Dakota. Um, tell me, how does it feel to you to get back to live performance after so much time off? It feels good. You know, it, it strangely, the performances that, you know, in the beginning, when I went down to, to Mississippi, we started in Mississippi and Louisiana, we started in the hotbed of COVID. Um, I was, I was a little, uh, off, not musically, but socially and culturally really as i was thinking god i hope nobody gets sick from this you know is it is it on me if somebody gets sick i i don't know i you know i, I can't control that but uh, i've no last night i went to a party for a friend of mine a really great songwriter who's moving away from nashville to to new mexico there's 20 people a lot of whom i hadn't seen for a good long while and i was uncomfortable and I'm sure everybody, it was a vaccinated crew and it was in a, you know, in a private room. 
but I was I I was far less comfortable in that situation than I am on a stage in front of people. So you know, it's that thing of being on a stage and it's it's uh, and playing music with the group that I play with. It's it's so. Um, so it's it's a mystical experience really to you know tonight after night to go into those songs and and see what the slight changes that that happen natural in the way we present the songs that that is so delightful Thank you to my very special guest, Rodney Kralp. He'll be performing at the Dakota this Sunday and Monday. You can hear more of my interview with Rodney Kralp at minnesotanewsnetwork.com. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. It looks like P.J. Fleck will be on the Gopher football sideline through at least the 2028 season. The U of M signed Fleck to a new seven-year deal this week. The fifth-year Gophers coach will make about $5 million annually, plus incentives. M&M Sports Director Mike Grimm has reaction from Fleck and others. The Gopher head coach says he considers Minnesota home, and that's why he wanted to solidify his security here. I love everything, right? I love going to the city. I love going into the Twin Cities, watching a show, uh, going to a professional sports game. I love being able to then drive out 30 minutes west and be on a lake somewhere and feel like you're in the middle of nowhere with bald eagles flying over your head. Um, you can have all of that right here. And then you have one of the best, most prestigious Big Ten institutions across the Mississippi River from one of the best cities in America. You, you, the resources here, uh, the, the medical field here, the uh, activities here, the art here, the sports here, that's very difficult to find in a college town. And for all the things that people say that we're not, I think we are, and I think that's our strength. And I said that from the day, day one when we got here, that it's so unique, it's so different than most places that – when you have that, I like that unique part. I like that different part. Um, and like I said, I, I don't like to be bored. And there's always something to do here in the Twin Cities. The seasons are always changing. And what I love about Minnesotans is they embrace everything. A lot of people say, well, I love Minnesota. I'd love it eight months out of the year. And then the winter, Minnesotans love their winter, right? I've seen it on our, on our lake. I mean, it is, it's like everybody moves from their house onto the lake in the middle of winter. Um, but I, I, everybody's just really kind of brought us in and, and, and made us – was, you're not just the coach. I mean, you're a, a member of the state, member of the Twin City area, and you're a Minnesotan. 
And I take a, I know I take a lot of pride in that. Heather takes a lot of pride in that. And I know our family does too. Flex says he'll continue to work hard to push the program forward. Just as we take in season, right? We take one game championship seasons. And we're going to take one day at a time and continue to move forward. But the expectation constantly goes up and the price goes up every single day. Academically, athletically, socially, spiritually. Serving and giving. Our academics. Um, the way we run our program. The way our players you know, represent the University of Minnesota and, and this awesome state. So we're just going to continue to keep changing our best and do what we're doing, but doing it at a better level. And, you know, I mean, there's going to be – when you look at people who have been at places a very long time and you take out maybe, you know, the Alabamas of the world, um, you're going to have some, some really great years and really special years. And we plan on having an awful lot of those. And there's going to be some times where, you know, you're, it didn't go your way here and there. Uh, but that's part of the sustainability of, of having a culture there for a long period of time. And that's what I'm really interested in doing. And I absolutely love the state of Minnesota. Uh, my wife loves living here. Uh, our kids love being here. And, you know, it's just uh, it's a really special place. It's home to us. And I meant that. You know, I, that was my statement. That wasn't somebody else's statement. This is home for us. And as you're going back through the, you know, the talks even with your family, I mean, this is the big thing with Heather is, you know, we get to make a life here, not just make a living. And I think that's very difficult to find in our profession. Flex says he feels responsibility to continue his give-and-serve mentality within the Gopher football program. It's uh, incredibly humbling. I come from a humble background, and money does not make you happy. I will say that. Okay, uh, it, it gives you the freedom to really bring out who you are as a person and your character of what, you're, uh, what you really value. And I hope that our community knows that you know, Heather and I are, are very involved in the community, uh, very involved in, in, in different charities and want to continue to be and help our city any way we possibly can and help our university any way we possibly can uh, and, and do things the right way. To one who's, who's given a lot, much is expected. I, I'm not, never going to shy away from that. And I know my responsibility to, to our state and our city uh, and our university, and uh, I take that very seriously. And uh, we'll continue to do all we can as a family uh, to continue to make our, our, our area uh, a way better place to be. Golden Gopher Athletic Director Mark Coyle says he's glad to have locked in the head coach. PJ's being genuine. He talks about he wants to be here. I, I mean, he and I have had conversations almost daily, uh, and, and a lot of times they have nothing to do with football. They're about life, our families, et cetera, and, and we talk about how this is home. And obviously, uh, you know, we have a coach that people are going to pay attention to on the national landscape, and his name comes up a lot. And so we feel like uh, from an institutional perspective, having that high buyout obviously provides us with protection. Uh, I'm grateful for PJ and, and signing this agreement. Again, it gives us uh, sustainability that we that we need here in Minnesota. Golden Gophers senior offensive lineman Blaze Andres of Marshall says of the new long-term extension for his head coach. That's awesome. That's that's amazing to see the, the culture to be sustained here. And uh, that's credit to Director Coyle and Coach Fleck and uh, for for trusting in the culture. And, uh, you know, I, I'd love to see it, uh, you know, be here for as long as long as it can be. And uh, I, I think that's just awesome. And that, that shows to, to Minnesota what uh, Coach Fleck and the Fleck family uh, is willing to invest in, in Minnesota and really set the roots here for a long-term uh, sustainable culture. And I, I think that'd be amazing. Scott, back to you. That's Mike Grimm with reaction on the new contract signed this week by Gopher head coach P.J. Fleck. That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.